0: plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans plan features and
2: taxes and fees may vary
3: sports radio 94 WIP welcome in to WIP afternoon show I'm Broads hanging out with you for the next four hours that's right Ben Kenny producing today's show Happy President's Day, everybody. The crew is off, so I'm stepping in, and we're going to have a lot of fun today, and we got some great guests lined up as well. At 3 o'clock, Clay Harbor, who played in the NFL, he's going to join us so we can pick his brain on what's happening with the Philadelphia Eagles as we gear up for some free agency, the draft, and of course, when we look back at the disaster that was, and at 5 o'clock, You ready for this? Because there's nothing better than this voice. We got Dan Baker getting us ready for some Phillies baseball. So it's going to be fantastic. The NBA All-Star Weekend was definitely a hot topic. But where we begin today is with your baseball team and sort of with your football team. I want to really take a deep dive with both head coaches, the manager and the head coach of the football team, and put them underneath the microscope and really dissect who they are and what they can be. And really the question is when you look at both of them, who do you trust more right now? For me, it's simple, because if you're somehow lower than Nick Sirianni, I don't know how that's even possible. I am so confused and almost out on Sirianni that it's really impossible to fall underneath. But there are a lot of fans out there that are willing to give him an opportunity based off of the track record, knowing his first year, he went 9-8 and eight and made the postseason, which was a good step, and then following that up with the Super Bowl run and only two quarters away from hoisting the Lombardi Trophy. So there are fans that really love Nick Sirianni and think that he can do wonders as Mr. CEO. But let's get to Rob Thompson. Because the more and more you look at some crucial decisions, you can make the argument that that may have been what was the downfall. Now, maybe not. Maybe it's just the Houston Astros were better, right? When it's all said and done, the no-hitter pulling Zach Wheeler... Is it just strictly the Houston Astros were better or did you really mess it up by putting your fingerprints all over it? I know that there's fans out there that don't like the lineup every day screaming about Kyle Schwarber, thinking if Rob Thompson elected to maybe go conventional, put Trey Turner up at the top, put Bryson Stott up at the top, so then Kyle Schwarber could bat either cleanup or he can bat fifth. Which then he would knock in more runs with his homers. And maybe that's what you view is the difference. So you are angry towards Rob. But the number one issue with what happened last year, when strictly looking at the manager, had to be game four, NOCS, and you go to Craig Kimbrell. Craig Kimbrell. Going to him was a killer decision. And you cannot say the Diamondbacks were better than the Phillies. You could say the Astros were the year they lost in the World Series, but that was the Phillies series to be had, and that was a series-changing moment that your manager failed. And the crazy part is, and we're going to listen to Rob Thompson in just one second, the crazy part is he doubled down on the decision not too long ago. Take a listen to what Rob Thompson said over this past week. Now, I would label myself a Rob Thompson guy. So by no means am I crushing him insanely. What I'm doing, though, is I am just giving you all of the information. I'm giving you the data. That was a serious issue, and my question becomes when you look ahead and you project Rob Thompson on the biggest stage this upcoming year because I demand them to make another run, as we all do. We expect them to be playing in an NLCS in the World Series, and these situations are going to pop up again. And do you trust Rob Thompson that he can handle that situation properly so we are not heartbroken and in this disgusting feeling, because I got to be honest, that NLCS game four moment, Everything afterwards, I was numb. I couldn't even enjoy the experience anymore because that broke me in such a way that I was over it. And I can compare that to the Eagles a little bit. The moment Nick Sirianni got annihilated by Kyle Shanahan and that 49ers team, I was broken and I knew that the rest of the season was history. So that's how this ties together. These are two of the most important people in this town in regards to our sports teams, and there are definitely areas of concern, but I definitely have way more trust in Rob Thompson, but that was brutal, and my biggest problem with that entire sequence was less about going to Craig Kimbrell there, and more about how you even backed yourself into a corner to have to utilize Craig Kimbrell. What I mean is, if you remember how that series played out, you actually had an advantage going into game four. The Arizona Diamondbacks had to throw a bullpen game. You were on Christopher Sanchez. So you didn't have your ace. You didn't have your second guy in Arenola. It wasn't Ranger Suarez. I'm aware that Christopher Sanchez isn't some wow type of guy. But when you compare it to a bullpen game, it is still an advantage for me. And it looked like Rob was willing to give up that advantage and make it more of an even playing field. So after you yank at 38 pitches – And Sanchez, after getting a ground out, you make the decision after two and a third innings. Hoffman goes one and a third. Strom goes one inning. Sir Anthony goes one and a third. Soto one and a third. Kirkering gets in there, and obviously it was maybe a little too new to him. Maybe the moment was a little too big for him on that stage. Hey, Kirkering, we like your stuff. Go out there. By the way, it's the NLCS, and we're trying to get to the World Series. It's a very tough ask but you utilized all of your pen when maybe, even if it's one arm, all it took was one arm so you didn't have to rely on Craig, whether it's Soto, whether it's Dominguez. We needed one arm. So if you were willing to allow the leash for Christopher Sanchez to expand, maybe we're not even screaming about Craig Kimbrell as much as we are. And I do think it's interesting considering Craig is no longer in this clubhouse that tells me Rob truly does believe it because if he was just pretending because Craig is still here and he wants to show belief in his guys and he wants to keep that locker room or that clubhouse culture together and he stands up for his dudes, then fine but Craig not being here anymore, you know it, it doesn't hurt anybody say, so, yeah, you know what maybe I would have thought about that differently because well he said that about the Rojas experience. he would have definitely changed what he did with Rojas and if you don't remember NLCS Game 7, bottom four, bases were loaded, and Rojas goes down, swinging at a couple pitch, oh two, 2 and he's swinging at a pitch that's way off the plate to strike out in a very non-competitive at-bat, and your team is built off of what? Offense raking, destroying the baseball. You cannot go down game seven, season on the line, in the fourth inning, bases loaded, with the dude who we're questioning if he can even sniff the major league level this year. We hope he can blossom into that, but we have no idea if he's even on the real roster as a legitimate option, and that's what you ended the season going with, even if, because let's play the other side for a second. Let's say you did pull Rojas, you didn't get a hit in that scenario, so the inning still ends and that one of your best defenders is no longer in the game, I have to take that calculated risk. Yeah, there's a risk in any decision you make. No matter what decision is made, you can find some negative things about it but then I'll just throw, well, what if he hits a double and knocks in a couple runs, and then you win Game 7 and you're advancing to play a great Texas team, which would have been an electric World Series, and that roster last year for the Phillies absolutely could have held their own, if not actually win it all so that, that's it right there that could have been another key spot and Rob was very open and honest saying maybe the Rojas one we could change but man did I love that Craig one because I believe in him it's just a very interesting view right now with the manager there is frustration with this fan base with Rob whether it's his demeanor they don't like how even keel he is and I got no problem with it it obviously relates to the clubhouse and that's way more important than how it relates to me and it's. it's. It's a long season. It's a journey. It's a grind. It's 162. And that clubhouse has so much respect for Rob. I do like him. And I think that he's excellent. And he waited a long time for this gig. He was going to step away from the game. Being behind Joe Girardi. All that stuff. He gets the opportunity, and they really flourish when everything starts to click, and that does go to the credit of Rob Thompson. But I'm just curious out there with the fans, where do you stand? 215-592-9494. Are you in belief of Rob Thompson when you compare Rob to Nick Sirianni? Which one do you have more faith in? Believe it or not, there are Nick Sirianni supporters out there, and I would love to hear from everybody. There's no wrong answer. I just want to have a a good old talk, a good debate, see where you stand. 215-592-9494. Ben, what's up, dude? Can't wait to work together again. Hello. Always fun. What 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 do you think about this little opening monologue here?
0: Um, yeah, I I, I have way more faith in Thompson. It's not close. I mean, I I didn't love hearing him defend the Kimbrel thing. I think everybody agrees it was a mistake. But, I mean, just focusing on that, I think, is forgetting the body of work. He took over a, a dead team and has brought the Phillies their best stretch of winning in the last 15 years. I think he's one of the best managers in baseball. You're comparing that to a football coach who almost got fired. I don't think it's
3: close. I don't think it's close either, but there are people who really don't like the way that Rob handles his business, even if it's a 2% of his decision-making. He could do great at 98% of the things throughout the season, throughout the wild-card round, and even maybe throughout the NLDS with the Braves, but the moment the lights get big, the moment you need to either keep in Zach Wheeler like we saw against Houston, or excuse me, no, he didn't keep in Zach Wheeler. He pulls him for Alvarado. Then your Don Alvarez hits a big bomb. That that matter, Those 2% of the big stage decisions absolutely matter, and I think it has to be way differently And it's at least a conversation. I do believe this Rob frustration's real. Trust me, I see it all over the social media. Can't believe he's putting Schwarber in there. A lot of it stems from the lineup, which fascinates me because while Kyle Schwarber is electric leading off, they consistently make deep playoff runs with Kyle Schwarber leading off. So you just have to accept it instead of fighting it. And there's plenty of other things to get angry about in life than Kyle Schwarber leading off. You agree with that?
0: Oh, of course. Well, he's going to be leading off. <laughs> he should be. Howard tried. Howard's trying to fight the people's fight.
3: I love it, though. It is funny. I disagree with Howard, but I do love and appreciate the way that he's going to every single person in that clubhouse. He's sitting there. Trey Turner He's asking Schwartz. He's giving Rob his lineup. I, I, I respect the grind and the hustle, no doubt
0: about right, it. That's what we call angling. <laughs> well, Yet, if, if, if you give it a week and Schwarber doesn't hit a home run then it comes out even harder. That's the best. Like, at least they're interesting, right? Five years ago, this didn't exist because the team was nothing. And now under Thompson, they've become, I would argue, the face of the National League and, like, the the best team in the NL. Oh, no doubt. They this are, is what comes with it.
3: They are definitely a scary squad. And when teams look at the NL East, the crazy part of this all is you will see an Atlanta Braves team win the division year in and year out. But I wonder, if you're in the NL—we do this with football all the time, right? If you're in the NFC, who do you have to look out for? Well, the Dallas Cowboys don't scare me. Does Jared Goff and the Lions scare me? Not really. Not really. Um, the San Francisco 49ers are consistently fighting towards the end but there's no one that's like, whoa hold on a second, they're juggernauts and I do believe that the Phillies and the way Citizens Bank Park gets rocking in October it's a scary sight to see regardless of the division win or not which is just sort of an outlier normally it's, hey, the Braves are sick the Braves are going to be great this year, Ronald Acuna they pick up Chris Sale, I have no idea what he's going to be but they're an automatic 98, 99, 100 plus win team, yet the Phillies are probably more feared than the Braves are. I don't know. Maybe this year with the Dodgers, things might change because of how much additions they put in to their roster and and getting Shohei and Yamamoto. Maybe it just blows it out of the water this year. But normally speaking, even though the Dodgers are consistently also winning a very tough division in the NL West, it comes back to the Phillies being one of the most premier teams in the NL. And it's just an interesting perspective because... I don't even know if they're going to win the division this year. They're just to get-in-and-get-hot squad, and I normally despise that when – thinking of my viewing experience over the entire season because I want to demand to win the division. I want excellence. I want to set up my rotation while other teams are competing in the first round. Regardless on how the last few years of this new playoff format went, it doesn't bother me if I have time off to rest. I'm not worried about, well, the timing's getting screwed up. I don't care. I want rest. Rest is always good. That's always a solid reward compared to, you know, utilizing a Zach Wheeler, an Aaron Nola, and a Ranger Suarez in a three-game playoff series and then starting the NLDS with a different pitcher instead of Zach Wheeler, I think that's absolutely crazy for sure. But the interesting part of the entire lineup is when I went back and looked at World Series Game 6 and the decision made by Rob to take out Zach Wheeler, and when I even looked at NLCS Game 4, well, Kyle Schwarber in a 0-0 game, it was scoreless through five innings in the leadoff spot in that inning, in the sixth, he led off the inning and he was the leadoff guy. Bang! Puts the Phillies on board. NLCS, what's that? It's 2 nothing. Bang! Top four, leading off the inning as the leadoff guy cuts the lead in half. The amount of times you study what Kyle Schwarber has done, his excellence is amazing, and it baffles me that we really do try and rip this thing apart like it doesn't work. The best call I get all day long, whenever I'm on the airwaves, whenever we do these shows, and, hey, have at it, 215-592-9494 is we will never win with this because Kyle Schwarber's too slow. Or Kyle Schwarber running around the bases clogged things up. Just not the truth. And maybe it happens once in a while. I say it's not the truth, meaning you're making it seem like this team is being held back because of once in a while that happens where you're not factoring in all the greatness that occurs due to Kyle Schwarber being so strong in his job. Yeah, maybe that does hurt you with one or two runs once in a blue moon. But then factor in the solo shots to start a game and then bang, right off the rip, you're you're already up one nothing. It's demoralizing to the other team. They have to fight back right from the beginning of the game. They're first at bat. They're up. to to the dish, and they're already down one nothing. There's so much more value. Everything's going to have negatives with it. No matter what you do in life, there will be something that you can scrutinize and say, well, this could go wrong. But what you have to do is counter that with what can go right, and you're just leaving out all the greatness that can go right with Kyle Schwarber. So, you know, the Kyle Schwarber thing always fascinates us with this team, and it ties together with Rob Thompson, the manager, and the trust. And I I do believe deep down that he has the power to make his own lineups. In today's era of baseball, it does happen a lot where the president of baseball ops or the GM or the ownership group, they have the analytical staff essentially send down on a piece of paper – what the manager is going to walk out to the umpire, and they are pretty much puppets. We experienced it with Gabe Kaplan, unfortunately. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
1: Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as
3: 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game.
0: You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and medella is your reward. medella the mark of a fighter. Trick responsibly, beer imported by Crownland Port, Chicago, Illinois.
3: It happens all around the league. I don't know if Dave Dombrowski does that exactly with Rob. It seems from the outside looking in that there is more wiggle room with that and Uh, Does that play a role, if you feel very similar to me, which is Rob has more freedom, does that play a role in the way that you study what Rob Thompson does and how he handles his job? I I I like Rob. I I think Rob has done a tremendous job, and it's so opposite from where we once were. I'm playing both sides here, but I I do feel very strongly about Rob being a good manager. I just like to lay out all of the data. That's all. I'm putting everything on the table, and then we can sort through it as we get along with our show. And Remember, when Joe Girardi was here, there were big signings, and there were huge names that entered this clubhouse. We actually had to hear from Nick Castellanos, who was a massive addition to this roster, say him and Joe Girardi never even spoke. They didn't even communicate. they had zero conversation. How does that even happen? How is that even possible? That's actually almost impossible. It, it kind of reminds me of something that happened last night during the NBA All-Star game. I know Boston sports were freaking out because apparently Jason Tatum never even met, never even met Larry Bird. How does that even happen? Jason Tatum's been playing in this league for how long? Playing in that city for how long? He never met Larry Bird? Well, how do you have Joe Girardi here? And he never even meets and speaks with Nick Castellanos. That blows my mind. Rob will never do that. Part of the area that Rob is very smooth in is his ability to communicate, his ability to show belief in those guys, and it goes a long way Does it become a detriment, though? Does it become what actually hurts you when it's all said and done because he's so stuck in his ways? He's so stubborn with believing in his guys. He's ready to go down and go to war and say, hey, I'm living and dying with Craig Kimbrell because he's our guy no matter what. And can that be, unfortunately, the kryptonite of Rob when you look ahead and look forward? And You know, and and you look at Nick Sirianni on the other side. I don't want him to lose any sauce here. He's still part of this conversation. Is there anything that really gives you a bunch of trust in Nick Sirianni moving forward? Or is he more of a a lost cause, you know? So as we get ready here to take our first break, 215-592-9494. The question is, Rob Thompson, Nick Sirianni. Who do you trust more? We have your phone calls coming up. We also have Bryce Harper speaking about an extension. Possibly an extension. I thought you signed a 13-year deal worth 300 plus million dollars. How many more years do you have on that? Way too many to be talking about an extension. But he was in the in the in the in the media with it, and so was. Dave Dombrowski and Scott Boris is always an experience. So a lot on the table. 215-592-9494. Who do you have more trust in? Is it Rob Thompson? Is it Nick Sirianni? As we get started here on the afternoon show, I'm Broads filling in for the crew right here, 94 WIP. Welcome back, Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Broads filling in for the afternoon show. They'll be back tomorrow. President's Day, of course. So we're kicking it, hanging out with you. 215-592-9494. 215-592-9494. That's the phone number. And we're gonna be getting to the phones in just one moment. We're talking Rob Thompson. We're talking Nick Sirianni. Who do you have more trust in when looking at the future? It's big seasons for both of these teams. Nick Sirianni needs to bounce back. And and well, over the last two postseason runs, there were some crucial decisions made by Rob. And is that just part of his DNA? Or is he willing to adapt and adjust and learn from some of his past experiences that might have really, you know, bit him in the rear end, if you will. But right now, we are going to look at our Twitter question, which is brought to you by Mark's Jewelers. Looking for wedding bands or bridal party gifts? Shop Mark's Jewelers extensive collection for the perfect gift. Online at Marks-Jewelers.com. And the Twitter poll question is, who do you have more trust in entering 2024? And so far, it's 73% Rob Thompson, 27% Nick Sirianni. During the break, I've been watching it, and I've had my eyes set on it. It's starting to go heavily in favor of Rob. So I wouldn't be surprised if by the end this sits around 80-20. But I really do like to hear the perspective of the other side. Like, I I root for Rob in this, or I vote for Rob in this poll, but if you are a Nick guy over Rob, 215-592-9494, I really do want to hear your side of it and why that is the case. Is it really because you have this love and this belief in Nick, or is it more about what I mentioned just a little bit ago, which is you're so down on Rob because you see a common theme with his decision-making, with his mentality in the playoffs, and you just don't believe that the Phillies can overcome that with better hitting down the stretch. Remember, Nick Castellanos went back to the bad version of Nick, and he's swinging at sliders that are completely five, six, seven feet off the plate. It's a disaster. That was more of the issue in the totality side of things, but yeah, I mean, there's a just managerial sort of debate to look at, too. They do have a fingerprint on the game. It's more about players executing, but there are decisions that need to be made. There is a pie chart, and the manager has a percentage of the pie chart that's reasonable to dissect as well, that all makes sense. All right, 215-592-9494. Let's start running to the phones here. Let's go to Herb in the Northeast. What's up, Herb? What's going on? What's up
2: there,
3: I'm Uh, doing good, man. How are you, Herb? I want to talk about, okay,
2: the Harper— I understand where he's coming from because he wants to try to get his contract up there where Mike Trout is as far as the powers and the years and all that. So he, I know what he's trying to do, okay? But uh, hopefully he can su- succeed this year, next year. We can go to the World Series and uh, win it all. So... Um, Anyway, everybody's coming in the bus right now. Yeah, we can hear that. So, yeah, so, uh, the, um... There's, uh, we can we can go with Swerver leading off. Smart man, Herb. Or we can go with Sound. All
3: right, all right, Herb. All right, I love you, Herb. I really do want to talk to you more. Just a little too much background noise. I, I do love you. You know we all love you here. Just a little bit of, of a lot going on there in the background. Uh, <laughs> comedy. I love Herb to death. I really, really do. I I I do want to backpack off of something he said though in regards to Bryce Harper and this contract situation, and uh, this sounds like a Scott Boris move. Okay, I feel Scott Boris is chirping away in his ear, getting into Bryce Harper's mind, saying, "Listen to me, Bryce. Listen to me. We're gonna make more money. You signed the deal originally. You didn't want any no movement clauses in there, or or excuse me, no opt outs, no opt outs. You didn't want any opt outs in there. And it's like, all right, I want." to be comfortable I want to send my family to Philly and that's that well now they're starting to communicate a little more Scott Boris and Bryce looking at the market figuring that there's probably more money to be made and there's no way though that I'm signing Bryce Harper to age 45 that is actually malpractice from a front office standpoint to sign Bryce Harper right now and give him an extension but let's hear from Bryce Harper on his contract yesterday speaking with the media
0: I think there's been communication there uh, between myself and um, Dave and also Scott and Dave as well. Um, Obviously, I want to be here for a long time, and um, we'll see what happens.
3: You can't do a contract extension with this much length still left on the deal and push him to 45 years old. I mean, that's actually crazy to me. I can't even comprehend how we are seriously having this combo. And because it's Bryce Harper, everyone's going, oh, oh, Bryce. No, I don't care who it is. I don't care if it's Brian Dawkins. I don't care if it's Jimmy Rollins. I don't care if it's Chase Sully. I don't care who it is, I don't care if it's Dr. J, Joel beat the best athletes to ever play in this city. I am not signing them to age 45 after signing a 13-year contract. That's gross. Now, also, Dave Dombrowski spoke, and this was February 7th, so dating back a little bit. But here's Dave Dombrowski on the Harper extension.
0: Should he expect a new deal or not?
4: Well, I would not get into any contract situations publicly, just never really do that. Um, we'll say of the utmost respect for Bryce, tremendous players, said everything for the our our club and, and the team and the city. So he's the type of guy you want to have. Um, he's in a situation where you can always desire or want anybody can, anything that they would like. Um, we end up making business decisions that sometimes are difficult, but I, I mean, way, one way I would just say it without getting into any particulars is that uh, we're thrilled that he's on board. We, he's, we know he's at Philly for eight more years, and um, there's a lot of times to digest things, but it's a situation where um, we're thrilled that he's on board. And, um, again, you can desire and want anything you, you would like, but I think it's also the apparent. Knowing Bryce, when he gets to spring training under any circumstances, he's ready to go, and you know you're going get 100% from him in every regard.
3: I love that answer. He pretty much said, you can want whatever you want. But the moment Bryce Harper is in town, in Clearwater, it's all go mode. It's all one mentality. It's about the baseball team and him being the best version of Bryce Harper. So essentially all that contract stuff goes out the window. You can want whatever you want. but <laughs> I mean, come on. Dave knows, he answered that in a very professional way, very savvy, very Dave Dombrowski-like, but he's gotta be laughing behind the scenes with John Middleton. This guy's nuts! We knew Scott Boris was nuts, but this guy's even more nuts than we could ever imagine! 45, let that sink in. It is actually hurting my soul thinking about it, and I'm a huge Bryce Harper supporter. There's no one in this town that doesn't like Bryce Harper. He's amazing. He's not malpractice amazing, though, and, and talking about this is malpractice in my eyes. 215-592-9494. Let's go back to the phones. Let's go to John. John, you're on 94 at WIP. Hey, John. Hey, brother. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you, John?
1: I'm, I'm excellent. Yeah, I got going back to your topic about uh, Nick or Rob. You know, you, you gotta go with Rob. I mean, they publicly they publicly neutered Nick Sirianni, and he pretty much he he pretty much rubber stamped it. You know what I mean? So he's so he's got he, he better hope that these coordinators come in here and coach their asses off. Because if they don't, it's all gonna fall back on him. Even though they've kind of neutered the guy, so. um it's, it's got to be robbed.
3: It's got to be robbed. I agree with you. and my, You know, when you think of this whole Nick Sirianni thing, I'm not against a CEO head coach. But if you are a CEO head coach, you better be detailed. You better focus on the usage of the timeouts, right? You better have the yep. proper personnel on the field so I don't have to see Con- uh, Cal Quintero run onto the field late in the fourth quarter, right. then pulling guys off, or you know you have to properly challenge the play. Everything needs to be clean and crisp from a CEO standpoint, and he's a mess all over the board.
1: Yeah, I, that's why that's why I, I got to go with Rob. You know, I, I mean, some of the little things that they were ha- were happening uh, in that horrible two month stretch where they absolutely did nothing and he could do nothing right. To go one for seven, one, one for seven down the stretch. No, it's, it's it, you definitely got to go with Rob. Man. And it's a shame because, you know, he, Nick had those two seasons where, you know, he showed that he could get some things done. But when those coordinators were going, it, it went all downhill. It's went an all interesting downhill.
3: exercise, John, because if we ask this same question prior to this Eagle season, or if we asked it in the middle of this season when they were 10-1, and I think it might yep. be 90% Nick Sirianni. And if we ask the same question after the 2024 season, maybe it is flip-flop because we get a rebound from the Eagles. But if the Phillies disappoint, it could be the extreme opposite. But as we sit here today, even with the worries. Of Thompson in the postseason, it's got to be Rob Thompson.
1: Absolutely, I and mean, I mean, there's no template for what happened to the Eagles in, the, in those last two months. You've never seen it before. No, not in the NFL. No, you gotta go back to the Phillies. The, you got to go back to the Phillies in the '60s, but that's a whole different conversation.
3: But think about that. And thanks, John. I appreciate the phone call so much. We'd love to hear from you again. If we are relating to the collapse of the Eagles to what happens in the '60s, in the '60s, yeah. This is once-in-a-lifetime type of stuff. How do you respond from that? I, I don't know. And if Nick can, wow. That would be very impressive. If Nick actually does and he bounces back, he gets the respect in the room and the fellas are all on board with the neutered head coach, as was mentioned right there then God bless him, and that's a very impressive thing to do because I would imagine majority of the guys are shaking their head because when you constantly lose and when you're always failing down the stretch against these teams that you should obliterate, you can't lose to the Arizona Cardinals at home. You can't lose to Jonathan Gannon. You can't lose to the Giants. You cannot go down to Drew Locke on the road in a 90-plus-yard drive with the game on the line. So clearly, they go into the Novacare complex every single day and try to establish what can we change to get better. They were actively trying, and they kept coming up so small where they weren't even close. Well, you don't think the room knows that? You don't think the locker room understands that Nick was trying everything in his power and he was willing to put in the time and the results were, oh okay, you got your ass kicked by San Fran in your own building, a game that was highlighted on the calendar for 10 months. How did you respond to that? Lo- oh, oh, your your biggest rival the Dallas Cowboys did the same exact damn thing. Oh, then what? Oh, oh, they keep losing and it gets uglier and uglier and uglier. How do you bounce back? How do you have trust? How do you have belief in the guy? It's hard to relate it to when they went to the Super Bowl because there was something that happened to the foundation under Sirianni, and they've never been able to fix that foundation because it might not even be fixable. So I'm not trying to throw away a resume or pretend like what someone once did isn't important because that's what it's all about, right? When you sign a free agent, the reason why you're either excited or disappointed is because what that player once did at his at, in his career at that time. You get excited about the what was. Well, I get it, but then there's something mag- like insane that happens. For example, we could talk about any athlete, D Rose. Derek Rose is one of the best ever. You get injured, you're not the same guy. Nick Sirianni, this is equivalent to getting injured and unfortunately not being able to recover. That's how I sort of see this thing going for Nick, and that's why I have to choose Rob as who I have more confidence in moving forward. (laughs) Oh, this is a dangerous game. Let's go to Mad Mike. Mad Mike, you're on WIP. Hey, how are we doing there, bro? Oh, we're doing lovely. We're doing lovely. How how are you, Mad Mike? That's the real question. I'm always good, man. I'm always always good. good. Uh, Okay. So here's the thing.
2: I I really want to preface this, that last – not last season where they collapsed, but the season before, I really want everybody to understand that it was all smoke and mirrors, all smoke and mirrors, that the Eagles played the cream puffest, like, easiest schedule ever, which made all the idiots in the Delaware Valley think, one, Jalen Hurts is a really good quarterback. He's not. He's overrated. Two, our coach knew what the hell he was talking about. He like he had like the easy button all of that season to get to where he was, and then the wheels came off this season. It like it all it all came to fruition that it was all smoke and mirrors. And then it's it's, it's even worse is that no one's really reacting to the fact that he was just neutered and he's just there sitting in his office, drinking a cup of coffee, not allowed to do anything.
3: I think that's a big deal. And I've, I've definitely focused on that man, Mike, where I disagree yeah, is the Jalen hurts is overrated thing. though. I think he's a very good quarterback.
2: I think he is an okay quarterback. I think last year, like everybody thought it was for real. And it wasn't, they played no one and had no competition. And it was like, it was like on rookie mode in Madden. Like, you, of course it's easy to win. Like, you didn't have to play anybody. But now they actually played people, and people were like, oh, is this all you do? And they punched him right back in the face, and that's it. And But and isn't Cameron there somewhere
3: goes- in the middle, Mike? Because I feel – work with me for a little bit here, right? So I think he's great, but maybe he's not going to do what they did in the Super he's Bowl not great. every single Let's year. Let's not say great. Well, he, I he think has he skill. has the potential to – well, if you have skill and you have the potential to be great, I mean – But he's not get- great. Okay. Like you're- Who is? Pat Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers? What's that? Who is? Pat Mahomes? Aaron Rodgers? I mean, yeah. Joe Burrow? It's
2: rarefied air. Yeah, sure. Automatically, we made him, we overrated him to a point that he wasn't there. And, like, he really came back down to earth this year. And I really think that's because he was overrated.
3: Yeah, I think he's properly rated. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate it. I-, I think he's properly rated. I'm not putting him in Pat Mahomes territory. I'm not putting him in the category of Aaron Rodgers, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, but he's in the mix of, of very solid, very good quarterbacks in this league. I know Chris Sims is also all over the place with it as well. He's once again running his mouth, screaming that he hates Jalen Hurts, and he says it's not personal. I got. Do, can, should we go? Can we go to Chris Sims? Okay, we'll go to Chris Sims here. Here's Chris Sims talking about Jalen Hurts, and uh, you know, it's more crap from him. You pit him against a guy that's high up your rankings that you would take Kyler over. Is there like anybody like oh. a Jalen Hurts or anybody that you would say I got to think real hard well, about? That'd this. be one of them for really? like, sure.
0: Yeah, I don't think like you know. Uh, you heard me talk yeah. yesterday. Yeah. You know, Jalen Hurts is, re- I respect a lot about Jalen Hurts, but I, I think Jalen Hurts is also like the most overrated player in football. All right. I just, that's, that's me. I know I'm wrong. I take a lot of crap about that comment, but you know, it's a, it's a, he plays quarterback for a team. That's an all-star team.
3: The most overrated player in the NFL. That is so harsh. There's got to be something deeper here. This is so personal now that it's no way about football anymore. I feel that maybe Chris Sims is dealing with an issue where he once felt disrespected in his playing career and thinks that Jalen Hurts deserves more criticism. Something along those lines needs to be in play because he can't stop yapping about him. He's always running his mouth about how bad he is, which is not the case. And if you feel like this is an all-star team and this was the offense you're getting, then you better blast Nick Sirianni. You better destroy Brian Johnson. They are the bigger problem here than the quarterback they failed the entire team miserably that offense made no sense their design was so bizarre and it actually really hurt everybody involved that was the bigger storyline with the offense I think he's properly rated were there bad teams and bad quarterbacks that they played in years past yes absolutely that definitely did happen but there's a middle ground here. He's saying, Mad Mike that is, that the Eagles were overrated and they were just beating up on bad teams. They're not as good. They're not as strong. Jalen's not as good. They're more like what they were last year. I don't think that they're getting blown out by Arizona level bad. I just don't think that that's the case. Things unraveled and it completely got out of their out of their comfort zone, obviously, and that's where a head coach, especially a CEO head coach, is supposed to put his foot down and command the room, but yet, yeah, that's your biggest problem is your head coach your and your coaches, and once you put pretty much put that into place and figure that out, then the quarterback, the wide receivers, the rest fall underneath. All right, we'll get back on track, though. 215-592-9494. Yes, Chris Sims is talking about Hurts and We also have the question, the big topic of the day, which is more along the lines of Nick Sirianni, the head coach, and the belief that you have in him – or that you don't have in him, and comparing that to Rob Thompson because I'm starting to get that itch for Philly's baseball. It's right around the corner, seeing the guy speak, watching batting practice, even seeing John Middleton watch batting practice hits my emotional heartstrings a little bit, and it's pulling those strings, and I'm really enjoying it, and I'm excited for this run. I'm excited for this journey. It's not just about, hey, what happens in October. I like the summer. I like going to the beach, throwing on a nice radio broadcast here on W. WIP, listening to the great crew that we have calling baseball games on the radio. It's a beautiful, beautiful time of the year, and I am really pumped for it. And I believe that Rob Thompson has what it takes to get us back to the promised land. But here's where the concern comes in. Do you think that he can learn from his past failures? Do you think he looks back at the tape World Series game six with Jose Alvarado and your Don Alvarez? Pulling Jack Wheeler after a hit-by-pitch and a single. Hit-by-pitch, single. Hey, we are yanking him. We're looking for that pocket. They stress the pocket nonstop. They want the pocket of Jose Alvarado with the matchup, whether it's the seventh inning, the eighth inning, the sixth inning. It could be early. It could be late. But when they feel it's necessary to attack the other team's best left-handed hitter and best pretty much stretch of their lineup, that includes a left-handed pitcher, All right, left-handed hitter, excuse me. You bring in your lefty and let Jose Alvarado go to work. Does he look back at that and think that those were the reasons that costed the Phillies a chance? Or is he more along the lines of, I I believe if we did this 10 times, we would have won seven of those 10. So I will continue to go back to the well. I'll continue to go down with my guys. And then maybe instead of going down with my guys, we are winning because I stayed true. To my guys. And we'll see how that all plays out moving forward. It'll be very fascinating, but I don't know how to feel about that one, honestly. If I'm just putting both hands up and being honest, speaking to you all, I, I, I don't know if he is willing to open up enough. I think he's a little tiny bit too stubborn. It's nice to know he would definitely pinch hit for Rojas. That's a good start, but it's not nice to know that he would have went right back to Craig Kimbrell in the NLCS last season. So it's starting to maybe open the door for him reassessing, which is nice, but we need more reassessing. We're, We're not where we need to be yet, but at least the conversation's ready to be had with Rob. That's sort of what it... It sounds like to me. All right, 2-1-5-5-9-2-94-94. We roll into the 3 o'clock hour, and we are going to be joined by Clay Harbor, who does an amazing job covering a couple different teams here in the NFL, whether it's the Eagles. You also have the Chicago Bears. He does a great job with Inside the Birds. And, of course, he played in the league for many, many years. So we're going to pick his brain on what's happening with the Birds, and we will continue this great conversation and play some audio from Chris Sims again. Hurts, the whole thing. Rob Thompson, Nick Sciani, it's going to be a great three o'clock hour. 215 592 9494. I'm Broads, filling in for the afternoon show here on 94WIP.
0: We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? Over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch.